Welcome back to another episode of Living in Color with Tamla and Amber, where we discuss spirituality, career education, finances, and relationships as Black women and how mental health affects them all. How are you doing today, sis? I'm doing well. It's Friday, so glad to be done with the week. How are you? Um, okay, but you know, like you, I am glad that it's Friday and so the weekend starts. We're just going to jump into current events because there continues to be a lot going on, but I wanted to touch on three things. The first one is the attack in Afghanistan. I don't know if you've seen much about it, um, but as people are trying to evacuate Kabul and Afghanistan, um, there have been some recent terrorist attacks, and I just wanted to get your thoughts on it and that you come from an Army family background. Yeah, so me and my mom have talked about it a few times um, just because, you know, we do. So I do come from a family, a military family. But um, I don't know. I, th- I think there's just been so much going on. I've just tried to stay away from it all and not be overstimulated because I just, I've got enough on my plate as it is. So... My sentiments are, Lord, I'm praying. Lord, I'm praying. That Those are my sentiments. Um, I hate hearing what I've heard, especially from my mom's point of view, um, just to not give away like top secret information. <laughs> <laughs> but um, she is a logistician and she does a lot of missile testing and, you know, trucks and armor and stuff for our military, particularly the army. So, um, it's just interesting to to kind of hear her be like, Lord, we got to do something <laughs> about Uncle Joe. We got to figure out. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm just praying. That's all I can say about it. Yeah, the, the videos and of course the pictures that have been shared have been just disheartening to see. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm just like... I don't I don't know. This is one of those situations where I'm like, I don't know what would have been best or worse for, you know, the entire process. So um, my heart just goes out to those people who have definitely lost family members and who are still trying to get from over there at this current time. So next up, it's none other than our well, (laughs) y'all's. Kanye West, a.k.a. Ye, who has um, had yet another Donda release, uh, uh, listening album, Mm. theatrical show. Um, And this time, I think it was in Chicago. Yeah. So I think he went home and had this one. And basically, there have been clips circulating where, like, Kim comes out in a wedding dress. Uh, he also has this like eerie looking white church that seems like it would be in a horror film. And um, I think it's Doe Baby or Lil Baby. The one who got the backlash. Doe Baby. Baby. Okay. Mm-hmm. Lil Baby is the one that same with Kurt Franklin who just rocked from style. Okay. Mm hmm. So it was him, the baby, and what's is it Marilyn Manson? What's the guy's name? The white guy, he was always weird. Like he looked like he belonged in the Osborne family, but he wasn't, but he was known for like sexual assault and right. Yeah. Yeah. So people were like, the comments were all across the board. So some people were like, you know, Ye just continues to show us that he's this artist. Um, the baby being, wait, you said little baby, right? The baby. The baby. Damn, I'm going to get this. Um, he replaced Jay-Z on one of the songs, which was really strange to me because I'm like, if you got hope to come back and do a song, you go scrap them off. And he just let you back. Okay. But anywho, those are just my (laughs) thoughts. Maybe they had a conversation about it. Um, But then the other comments were like, he's clearly telling y'all where he stands, which is 
he's standing with somebody who's homophobic and somebody who is an abuser. So there's that. And I was just like, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, I knew he had another listening event that was coming. I didn't pay attention, um, nor did I see the stuff that's going on today in particular. I'm assuming this came out today. Um, So I didn't, I haven't caught up on all of that, but I feel bad because I don't really have anything to say about that either. I'm just like, you know, if if that's I don't I don't know, because yay is off to me a little bit and not I not to talk bad about him. But I just think that there's a lot going on um, and music is an outlet for him. But sometimes and we see this with a lot of artists, but I think sometimes when you are not settled in your spirit or you're in a place of confusion or you're in a place of whatever you are in life, whatever you're pouring that into, that's going to come over. It's going to come across. And that's all I continue to hear is not necessarily that the work is bad work, but that there's just, it's not settled work. It's not, it's too many things going on. It looks like his music is a real time depiction of the world. (laughs) And that is, we don't know what the hell is going on. <laughs> you know what? That makes sense because at the end, he literally was on fire. <laughs> <laughs> so you know what? That that makes sense. That's well, the there you correlation. Uh, you know, because I clearly we wake up every it. day and it just be like, well, damn. So you may be right about that. Maybe that's the concept that everybody's missing and everybody, including me, but we shall see. Y'all just, all I can say is keep praying for him. If you're doing positive prayers, because I just, I don't know. Anywho, moving on to the last current event. So supposedly the the Supreme Court has decided to block the Biden administration's eviction moratorium, which means tenants, not tenants, landlords can now restart the eviction process to those who were impacted by the pandemic. Um, I don't know everybody's story. I don't know what it feels like to be on the verge of eviction, but what I can say is what I experienced in 2020 and what I saw, I know it's a business to be a landlord and I know you have to also, you know, get your money, but I think there is a level of compassion that needs to go into this process. Now, I know everybody mostly got a STEMI or you were able to claim it on your taxes. Now, if you didn't get the STEMI every whatever months they came out, I get it. You didn't have a chance to catch up because you you just you didn't. You had the money. If you were unemployed, you know, all those things, you weren't getting any kind of funds coming in. Let's just say that Um, you were receiving unemployment. Right. You should have had your bills. Mm, let me stop. Or at least paid something. That, something. That's where that's where I feel like this is going to be one of those things where it's like people are going to have to have compassion for those who were trying mm-hmm. and for those who just flat out blew through their money. Yeah. Whatever money you got, you know, yeah. this is one of those we got to be more responsible type of topics. But I think it's just unfortunate because you, we already have a homeless problem here. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think it's just, just because I know my mom works with this and I, you know, off to the side have kind of been looking into stuff and sending people resources. Alabama has its emergency rental assistance program. They do. And um, the applications have continued to roll in. I think they have over 58,000 applications and they went on a priority basis. And so the priority basis ended July the 15th. So uh, six weeks ago, they just finished going through what they considered to be the priority application. So 
if you weren't in a priority application, but you still are reeling and need help with back pay or whatever the case may be, and your application hasn't even been viewed yet, and this is happening, that's putting people in danger for sure, because they can't make any, they can't make the process go any quicker. Um, and it's up to the landlord to fill out what they're responsible for filling out, you know, on behalf of that tenant to verify that the tenant actually is telling you the correct information. If they're slow poking, then you're waiting around. Some tenants or some landlords don't want to get into that because that's too much paperwork. It's like, I'm not going to do what I don't have to do. And they don't have to. Right. So it just slows down the process because if your landlord doesn't fill out the paperwork, then it's up to them to decide to just like send you a check in the mail eventually, but you don't know when that's going to come if it comes. Right. So that's a hard pill to swallow. And I, I'm, I didn't know that that was a ruling, but I'm very, I'm very sorry to hear that. Yeah. It just, it's just, we continue to be a country that is not one that solves problems, but continues to create them. And that's just unfortunate. Mm. For Naturally Amazing this week, I wanted to shout out uh, someone who is doing positive work in Alabama. Uh, she is an extraordinary individual that has done her part in a little small town called Panola, Alabama. So Dorothy Oliver is a Black woman that has gotten 94% of the people in her town vaccinated. They didn't have um, their own vaccine center and the nearest clinic was 40 miles away. So she and the county's commissioner coordinated a pop-up vaccination clinic at the nearest hospital that they had. But instead of her waiting for people to come to the clinic, she physically called people, did cold calls and went door to door, knocking on people's doors, you know, educating them about the vaccine and telling them why it was important to uh, get it. And for anybody that doesn't know anything about Panola, Alabama, when I say it's a small town, it's a part of the Black Belt counties, which we consider um, some of the poorest counties in Alabama. And that says a lot. But she's being featured in a short documentary called The Panola Project that is um, being done by someone named Rachel DeCruz and Jeremy Levine. So I look forward to seeing that documentary because not only will it highlight her excellence, but it's also going to shine some light on the things that continue to be a problem for Black people here in Alabama that live in those counties specifically. Absolutely. Absolutely outstanding. Kudos to her. Yes, absolutely. For our topic this week, I decided to be a little vulnerable, if I can talk today. Um, so this past week has been pretty rough for me personally. Um, I've had a mixture of feelings and emotions, and I really just had to sit with the fact that it came down to me being unhappy about a lot of things in my life. And it hadn't just started this past week. It's been for some time. So um, the thing that I'm realizing is that it hasn't always been easy to push through. And so this past week for me, it was just one of those weeks where I just didn't have it in me. I just let the emotions come and deal with them as they came day by day. So through this week, I listened to a sermon delivered by Bianca Oldthoff. And if you don't know who she is, she's like this Latinx lady who lives in California, but she is deeply rooted in culture. <laughs> um, and so I enjoy watching her, but she delivered her some, a sermon at Transformation Church called How to Get Your Joy Back. And it focused on the difference between joy and happiness. And so after, well, before I watched it, I always considered joy and happiness like two of the same. However, the way that she described them, there was a very huge distinction between happiness and joy. Um, she said happiness was very circumstantial and it was often a feeling where as joy is a choice and it contributes to our hope. So 
today I wanted to just talk more about those two things um, because I do think we all seek both of them <laughs> throughout life. However, we don't always achieve that. Or if we are achieving happiness, we aren't really getting joy. Um, so how do you think or feel uh, that happiness and joy are the same or, or different? That's a really good question. So you guys know that I come from, you know, kind of a deep church background where on Friday night, literally about this time, on a Friday, we was getting ready to eat dinner so we could have Bible study. But um, I'm saying that to say, you know, I grew up reading a lot of scripture, not necessarily always understanding it at the time, but just reading it. And joy was, um, it's a fruit of the spirit. Um, and so what I learned down through the years is the joy is what I've always been after. The happiness is what I've kind of associate with having the joy. So if I'm happy, then I'm joyous, which is not true um, because joy really does come from within and it comes, it's, it's tied to, to something bigger than just the feeling. It's definitely, for me, it's definitely a spiritual thing. Um, and that comes from my belief system and I don't know, you know, how that is for other people, but it's certainly a deeper thing than the feeling of today I'm good and I'm okay. And I'm just, yay. Um, but what I had to also understand is that when I'm not feeling happy, then I allowed that feeling or holding on to that feeling to negate the fact that if you look around and if you think about maybe where you should be or what should have happened or how life could have turned out, you know, if you think about it, for me, if I think about things like that, then I realize like, you know what, God, you've been good and I'm so grateful and I'm so thankful. But when I'm not happy, then I tend to forget, have amnesia and forget um, the joy of the Lord and get stuck in the fact that I feel unhappy. And what we know um, from a very like therapeutic standpoint is feelings are fleeting. You have them one second and you don't the next second. Um, and so I think that I, I feel like I've always delineated between the two, but I do feel like as I've gotten older, I've leaned into one or the other more so. And it's made me kind of lose track of what what really matters in life. Yeah, so I, I totally agree. Um, I always, when she said it was circumstantial, I was like, mm, that, that hit it right on the head because even though most people, or I never really thought of happiness as being like just a feeling, you know? especially like growing up, I thought it was a presence of being, I thought it was joy technically. Mm -hmm. um, and so, it, like you said, anytime something didn't go my way or plans didn't pan out, or I thought that I should do something, the happiness went away and the gratitude did as well. Mm -hmm. And she spoke about, you know, in order for us to have joy, we have to have gratitude. Mm -hmm. And everybody knows that life throws us curveballs. Sometimes they're bigger than we can even catch. And so it just literally knocks us off our feet. And getting back up from those moments, you don't focus on either happiness or joy. You just focus on surviving at that point. Mm -hmm. And it can literally take you from a place of positivity and hope to just maintaining and getting through. And then that's when the negative thoughts come in. Yeah. And so after listening to the sermon, I was like, okay, well, when I was younger, to me, joy probably meant like me spending time with my friends and my mom saying I can go to the skating ring on Sunday nights from seven to 11. That was joyous. Yeah. You know, it, it wasn't even the happiness part. Like 
it wasn't because I thought I couldn't go. It was just the fact that once again, I got to go. And mm -hmm. that's probably how I equated that joy and happiness component. But as I've gotten older, I've really identified with the fact that my happiness comes and go comes and goes a lot when I truthfully put my all into something and it doesn't go the right way. Mm -hmm. um, I continue to seek for joy every day, which is why if I'm in a job and I don't feel fulfilled, I'm like, fuck it. I don't want to be here. Yeah. Or, um, you know, if something is not like feeding me in some kind of way, I don't really want to have anything to do with it. And when I thought about it, I was like, that went for relationships, friendships, family members, like it went for a lot of things. And so thinking back on your childhood or teen years to, um, to now, what would you say your view, how would you say your views have changed? So I, I'm hesitating to answer because I'm trying to figure out how they've changed. I know they have changed, but I'm figuring out how they've changed because I didn't, I'm not saying I wasn't happy as a child. I don't want y'all, because I don't want y'all coming from my parents. Don't go, don't call them. <laughs> um, but there was such a grounding as a child, like very humbling presence from my mom and dad. So let's just kind of use your example. You know, my friends would go skating or to the mall to hang out on the weekends. I didn't get a chance to go. I was always supposed to be, you know, being responsible, being at Bible study on Friday nights. And in the morning, I'm getting up to do my Saturday chores. And, you know, like there was a, it was very different for me growing up than what I feel like a lot of children do. So I didn't necessarily equate happiness to much. Not that I wasn't happy. <laughs> Maybe I was happy on Christmas morning, you know, when we snuck downstairs and we saw the Chris, you know, the presence of the tree. But I just, I think I just grew up really, really differently. And so I have always learned that, you know, when I'm seeking joy, um, I'm seeking like, something a sign from on high the good the good good father to you know show up and show out in my life in some way um and that gives me joy i guess when i think about happiness and that was as a child and when i think about happiness as a child i think about very tangible things like christmas gifts or going camping for girl scouts um or something like that as i got older especially when i left my mom and dad's house um, and really had to kind of face life head on and figure it out. I fell a lot. Like I just felt like I was always failing all the time, was never happy. Um, and I remember getting connected to a couple of individuals and getting connected to a church home, you know, getting in my word and, and not just reading scripture anymore, but just kind of like sitting with it. Like, Lord, what does this even mean? Uh, it's me, just... I don't know, send somebody by to explain this to me. Um, and it would be, for me, it would be every day, find something to be grateful about. So that there's that link between gratefulness and joy again. So I learned to be grateful in life in general. That's how I've evolved. Being grateful for what, in whatever circumstance, find a way to be grateful. And so I'll say, what one of the biggest, I guess, testaments to growing up for me was, uh, when I purchased my first home. Now, everybody around me felt like I should be excited and happy because I was young and I had purchased my first home. But when I fell apart in Home Depot after purchasing my refrigerator, the lady was like, I don't know why she's crying. And I don't know, like, this is a good thing. This is good. And my dad, I remember hearing my daddy said, she's crying because she has joy. And he was right. 
because I had prayed about it. I knew what the Lord had promised me. I saw him work things out in a way that I had never even fathomed in my mind. And to see it like happening before me, I was just, it was just something within me that I just couldn't keep. And I just bust out into tears. Um, And so as I've grown, for me, joy is always associating back to just being grateful. Even in life now, I'm finding ways to be like, God, you've never left me. Even though I can't see it, even though I can't trace you right now, I don't know what is going on. What I do know and what I can stand on is this, and I'm grateful for that. And most days for the last month, I haven't necessarily been happy, but I've tried to find joy. So you touched on, you know, you buying your house for the first time and you and I have definitely had this conversation about, we felt like it was an item to check off a list. Mm -hmm. Um, And even though it is a huge accomplishment, it just wasn't, some people are really, really, really overwhelmed and just, you know, have all of these emotions about buying a house. And I remember when I closed, I was like, okay, I'm happy I have my house, but what's next? Yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah. And that could be part of that, which, you know, kind of leads into the next thing, me seeking joy and just realizing that it was happiness instead. And so when I closed on my house. It was more so something I did for me and my family, not something I did for me. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I'm realizing too, that has kind of robbed me of my joy. A lot of the things that I have done in my life have been for other people and not for myself. Mm-hmm. And so I tend to be happy when things go the way that they're supposed to, because they were an item on the checklist, but the joy that I seek doesn't look like anything that my life is. Mm -hmm. And admitting that to myself was probably one of the hardest things that I've had to do. Anybody who knows me knows that I'm like, oh, this one's supposed to be my life. Like I wasn't supposed to stay in Alabama. I I definitely wasn't supposed to stay in Tuscaloosa. But um, my, my joy doesn't live here. Mm-hmm. And I know that deep down, but for you, what would you say is a point in your life where you were seeking joy and possibly have thought that you found it, but really identified the fact that it was just happiness and how did you deal with it? Probably my career and education trajectory in life um, is where I thought my joy was supposed to come from and probably where I expected it to come from and <laughs> where it, nece- it really hasn't come from. Um, and so, you know, when I was 13, I went on my first mission trip with my aunt and I knew I t- told my family when I came back that God had called me to be a healer. So I was going to be a healer. I was going to medical school Anybody who knows me, knows me, knows this. I tell this story all the time. And so I set out on my path of achieving that goal of becoming a healer, which was medical school for me. Um, And I did everything. I literally did everything, went to every program, you know, sat in every classroom. Like I did everything. And I was in the library with Kaylee and Monica. We were studying, I think, for the MCAT at the time. And I remember us having a conversation outside the library. And I knew, I was like, this isn't for, like, this isn't bringing me what I thought it was going to bring me. And instead of being happy or even joyous, I just feel miserable. And I don't know what to do because this is what I poured my life into. Like I poured my life into going to medical school, becoming a doctor. That's it. I don't know anything else. Um, And so I got connected, started doing community work, started doing small groups, attending small groups, and then later leading small groups. And I had the best fulfillment in my life Um, and healing what happened in my living room 
or healing would happen in my kitchen when we would meet and we would pray with one another or, you know, talk about life. People really, you know, just kind of brought their stuff. Um, and it was in that moment where I started to realize that for me, joy isn't tied to what I do or or necessarily my titles. That's not where my joy will come from. And I had to settle that. Um, and in doing that, it's made it easier to kind of just be like, you know, when this happens, it's going to happen. But it also drives me when I'm in situations where I'm just focused on school or just focused on career and it's not fulfilling me in any way. I'm trying to figure out how to get to that fulfillment. So I think, you know, it just kind of like how, how I dealt with it, it just it was time and prayer and being connected to, you know, like minded people being connected to people who could speak into my life and let me know that it was more than what I was seeing and that my life wasn't just this, that there was so much more. And I'm still getting through it. Like I, there are days when I understand and I get it and I'm, I'm good. And there are other days when I just have to steal away as my grandmama used to say. <laughs> So I think this is what makes our friendship so unique. And we, you know, we have these aha moments in our conversations where we were like, ah, this is this is the point where it makes sense. And so, you know, we both started out in life with the dream in healthcare. You wanted to be a doctor. I was like, oh, I don't want to go to school that long. So I'm gonna just be the best nurse practitioner I can be. And Neither one of our paths turned out that way, but you found a way to still fulfill the calling that you felt like you, that was placed on your life. I don't think I've gotten to that point yet. Mm. So I do a lot of things for people and it, it don't get me wrong. It does, it does bring me happiness to see people's face. It does bring me, you know, I don't want to say joy, but it makes me feel good to make other people feel good. But what I'm noticing is that I tend to leave myself out of that equation all the time. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, you know, I remember, I don't know, we couldn't have known each other around this time, but I feel like it was a birthday and I was like, or maybe this was somebody else I was having a conversation with. But anyway, I know for my 30th birthday, I think I told you this story. Probably. I was like, I didn't really want to have a birthday party because I felt like when nobody come, mm -hmm. you know, like I didn't think that I was important enough for people to just drop their lives and join me to celebrate another year of me being alive. However, I rarely missed anything for anybody because mm -hmm. it brought me happiness. I enjoyed being a part of everybody's world who means or meant something to me. And so it didn't occur to me that that would be that would be reciprocated if I put it out there. Mm -hmm. And so I was challenged to just plan something like just at least say you go do something, you know, invite people and see how it goes. And although I had some people to come and I knew they were coming because they were the people that challenged me, the people that I wanted there didn't. Mm. And so it left me in this space of like, but I told y'all this was going to happen. So this is why I don't do these things, mm -hmm. you know? And I remember the re for the rest of the night, they tried their hardest to make it just the best birthday party I've ever had. And I've had some birthday parties, honey. Your girl had them up until she was 13 and we put a hole in the wall and that was the last one. But, um, you know, it was more so not a night of celebrate me, but more so a night of trying to make me happy. 
And there was nothing that they could do in that moment to change what I had felt. And so, you know, hearing you speak about your small groups, which you always do and, you know, refer back to how just amazing they are. I oftentimes wonder, like, am I going to get to a point where I just find joy, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that you say that because I think it goes back to, I don't know if this is what it is for you, but for me, the reason why small groups are so impactful, because it goes back to what I feel like God had called me to do. And so like for me, the my I opened my home so that like the small group could happen. That was my contribution, but it really wasn't about me. It was about holding space for those women to come and you know share their story and together us believe God for more in our lives and watch the transformation happen. That was the biggest point of like fulfillment was to watch the transformation. And I know some who's going to listen to this, this episode and be like, yeah, I remember because that's where that joy came from is, is seeing how when you take the weight off of yourself and put it on whoever your higher power is, for me, it's the Lord. When you, when you put that weight back on him and, and be like, listen, I'm yours. You put me here. Obviously you have a plan for me. Just help me execute it and walk it out. That's where that joy came from. And when I've gotten outside of that and started trying to find it in what I'm doing um, on a day-to-day basis or you know, school or whatever, I keep falling short. And so it makes me go back and say, okay, well, that's not doing it. Then you need to go and, and get to that place that was doing it in conjunction with what you're doing, because there's still purpose in what you're doing over here too. But that might not be your area where you're just going to be joyous about, or God might be working in a way where you might not have joy right now, but it's on the way. <laughs> yeah. And and that makes sense. I think the thing that I am trying to find or not even find, accept, is that I've given so much. I'm in a, I'm trying to not be in a space of selfishness. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And so with trying to not be selfish, I oftentimes wonder, am I missing the purpose? because I'm so hesitant about accepting what it looks like. Does that make sense? So like when you spoke about small groups, I was sitting here thinking like, when was the last time I just truly felt like, oh, this is so just heart filling. And what came to mind was when I was in my old position and we sponsored those families for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And so I was, I was over that. So I met with the families. I, you know, created the list based off of what the children asked for. And I worked with the departments and or people to get the gifts. I wanted to physically wrap them, but <laughs> that was not something that they decided to do. But I remember every person's face when they picked up the gifts for their kids mm-hmm. um, for Christmas. And at that time we were interacting. So hugs were given, you know, mm-hmm. and I was just like, oh, I wish I could do this for so many people. Yeah. Um, That was probably the last time where I felt like this is where I'm supposed to be. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. But again, none of it is for me. Mm-hmm. And so because I've always been in a space of giving to other people, I'm just like, and I don't mean to come off selfish, but like, Lord, when is somebody going to pour back into me? And that may be a task that I have to take on myself and figure out how to do it so that I can continue to pour into other people. But it's, it's a question that keeps coming up 
even this week, I caught myself saying, I sacrificed enough already. Like, what else do I have to, what else do I have to give up? Yeah. So I think one of the things that's interesting that you say is, you know, two things. Is somebody going to pour back into me? That's a prayer that I encourage people to continue to pray and believe God to send you those people who are going to pour back into you in the way that you need to be poured back into at the time you need to be poured back into. Because I do believe that as givers and as people who give of themselves so much, it's essential that you have that and you have to allow that. Um, and so learning how to allow it, uh, figuring out what that looks like for you, I think that's big. But the other thing for me, and maybe for you too, I don't know, I had to learn how to understand when it was me who was being detrimental by giving in a time and a space where I shouldn't have been doing things in a time and space that I shouldn't have been. Um, and why was I doing it at that time? Was it because I needed to feel something? And so I was just going to continue to do because, you know, a lot of times for me, if I'm in a, if I'm in a certain space, I'm going to focus on other stuff and other people because that will help me. That will bring me joy. <laughs> Quotation marks around joy. Um, because I feel like when you do it, when it's when you do it out of context and when you do it in a space of uh, depletion, then it just depletes you more. Um, and so I am like, even with my family, so this is with my family, with my friends at my job, you know, in whatever that looks like, I am having to learn what that is. For example, when I'm in relationship or situationship, cause clearly that's what the lot of is. But anyway, when I'm in those, I naturally want to just give it my all because that is, that is me. That's just who right. I am. But I should not be doing that. And I have to learn, like, what boundaries do you need to have in place for yourself so that you still, number one, have joy and have hope <laughs> and are grateful. But then you're not completely in the space of, well, I'm not going to do nothing and I'm just going to focus on me. I, so I'm saying all that to say my prayer has always been, Lord, show me who it is that you want me to bless Show it is. Show me who it is that I need to be praying for. Show me how I need to be pouring into myself and send the people that I need in my life to be pouring into me in ways that I cannot every day. Yeah, you made a good point when you said we have to identify who we shouldn't be pouring into and when we shouldn't because your girl would literally get a shirt off her back to anybody, even if I, I don't have another shirt to put on right it's like I always felt like I had a safety net within my family but um if I'm being totally transparent I think you know I have a multi-generational family and so a lot of the times where I need to set boundaries I can't mm. Because then it it impacts other people who depend on me. And so ways. So again, <laughs> I am probably one of the only people that would be like, well, I'm not gonna say the only people that would be like parenting is hard, but me growing up without a dad. And now having to raise a son. Mm -hmm. Not that Kyron doesn't have his, his dad, because he does. But it's still hard. Mm -hmm. Some days I don't feel like being a parent. Yeah. Because I don't have anything left. But I can't be like, I don't feel like being a parent today. So, you know, let me just throw this over here and I'll get back to him when I feel better. Mm-hmm. That's not a boundary I can enforce because he depends on me. Mm -hmm. And I acknowledge the fact that like our parents probably 
press these types of feelings down and we all were different kids, you know. Um, so I, I definitely acknowledge that like parenting is hard in general because there is no right or wrong. Well, there are some wrong ways, but there isn't a manual that tells you if you do X, Y, Z, this is what's going to happen. Right. And so I genuinely some days just want to check out. And that's, you know, it's it's not fair to him because I'm his mom. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to always love him and support him no matter what. But he also doesn't understand as a child that mommy is just tired. She's tired from going to a job that doesn't fulfill her. She's tired of commuting back and forth <laughs> every day. She's tired of not having somebody there to support her. She's just tired. And what has happened or what I have noticed that has been happening lately is that it unfortunately comes out as anger. Mm -hmm. And so that's the other thing that I ha I've had to be honest with myself about. When I'm angry, when I'm you know, fussing about little things. Yes, I've told you to clean up your room twice, but really, why is it this upsetting to me? Mm -hmm. And it's more so because I'm like, but if I had somebody to just tap in for a little bit, I wouldn't always have to be the person that's fussing. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't always have to be the person that's, you know, making sure that you are disciplined enough so that when you go out into the real world, you know what to do. You know how to conduct yourself. Um, and again, that's no shots at his dad because he has his dad. And I, uh, again, that was a sacrifice I made. I stayed here so he could have a relationship with his dad. But it's one of those things where like, I wasn't happy during my pregnancy. I wasn't happy that I was having a child at 22 because mm -hmm. that wasn't part of the joyful life that I had envisioned for myself. Mm -hmm. And so I've spent a lot of years doing work about how to get over those feelings because people pray for kids every day and can't have them, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. showing that gratitude still like, but Lord, if this was the only one I was supposed to have, then thank you for him. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I just, I definitely don't want to spend whatever years, decades that I have left on this world, being in a space of where I'm seeking joy and being content with happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to start moving forward to a place where I'm doing things for me. I'm pouring back into myself, like you said, and I have a, a, an amazing support system. Like y'all know my friends are my family. So that's, that's not even the family that I speak of, but there's still more that needs to be done. And I think that's the one thing that keeps pushing me not to give up. That's the hope part of joy. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. keep going because through every storm, you know, there's another day and it comes with sunshine and beautiful clouds. And so you just have to wait and be patient for that storm to be over. And the storm doesn't stay every day. It, doesn't, mm -hmm. it, it isn't present every week, but when it comes, it hits me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really what happened this week. Like I was just in a place where like, I, I don't have any more to give Lord. I just don't. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I'm, I'm sort of on the other side of it. <laughs> I'm not going to sit up here and lie. I feel a lot better than I did at the beginning of the week. That's for sure. But, um, you know, for you, would you say you're currently seeking joy in life 
And if so, what has motivated you to keep going through the dark days? And if not, why do you feel like you aren't? I'm not seeking joy in life right now at all. Um, I'm probably on my face, literally on my face in the morning, in the evening, just like, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. God, I don't know what season this is that I'm in, and I don't know how much longer I've got to be in this season. But first of all, if you don't show up and if you are not, you know, <laughs> giving me something to hold on to, then I'm not going to make it. But then also, this isn't the first time that I've been in a dark season and I've come through it before. So, you know, help me have a flashback. Help me remember that this is not the end of a story. It's a part of a story. Um, and, and help me continue to trust you in all that I do. Because every time I go to life thinking that life is going to finally give me a one up, I'm hitting the face in a way where I just feel completely disrespected and <laughs> completely like, why am I here? What is my reason for being here? Um, and so right now, I mean, I'm a, most people know this about me in terms of like being a loner and I know how to do that well. And I feel like I'm in a season now where I just need to be alone and I'm okay with that. Um, because I just trust whatever is happening within this process. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be for my good. But I'm also very, uh, I'm also watching myself too. Like, it's like, you can't do this completely on your own. Even if you're in a season where you are alone, then you, my prayer has been, but Lord, place the people that I need right now in this season in my life. And he has. Um, I mean, he has. And so I, if I need to talk to somebody, I'll talk to some, to somebody professionally. Um, and then, you know, whatever, whoever my friends are that are in that, that group or that core group or whatever, if I need them, I'll reach out. I know how to reach out and I will reach out, but I'm just not, I'm not looking for anything in life right now. And that's just my story. I'm not, you know, y'all, wherever you are in life, be, be there. But the way that I see the world going right now, if my hope is tied to anything in this world, then I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be, I'm always, I feel like I'm always gonna be in this space. And so it's, it's me going back to say, okay, wh Lord, what is it? What is it? Yeah. Um, and I think that's real honest because <laughs> times aren't just this positive thing right now. And I mean, we have positive things around us all the time, but, you know, being real in this conversation, not only as two people who are friends, but two people who, you know, have a mental health background, I think the one thing that I can say is the, the seeking the help part and identifying what you need in these moments are super important. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if it's a Sagittarius thing because I usually shut down when I don't, when I'm not doing well. And it's not because I don't feel like I need help, but again, it goes back to, I don't feel like people would pick me up like I would if it was reversed. I know some people would, but that would also cause me to have to be honest about what's going on. And sometimes that's just not where I am. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that piece is a Sagittarius piece because we both are and we both do that. But I think with having those people around you who know you, like I can tell when Amber's going through something and I'll, you know, give her time. And then I'll be like, listen, I'm just checking in. You let me know if you need something. If not, I'm here whenever you're ready. Mm -hmm. Same thing, you know, with me, she'll do the same thing and other people will too. Um, 
I think it's just gotten to a place lately with everything that has happened that I've just been like, Ugh, I don't even I don't even have the words to form it to mm-hmm. say what I need. And that's the scary part. Yeah, because it's like, how do you move forward when you don't even know what you need in this season? Um, So I'm with you. The prayers lately have just been very direct. Like, what else do you want from me? <laughs> you know, what do I need to do? Um, and I pray for the both of us that whenever this storm settles, the, the lessons that would have been learned throughout the journey will be the things that prepare us for the life that neither one of us probably envisioned. Oh, I'm, I'm certain. I'm certain of it. I, I, I will say the one thing that I feel like is really being instilled in me I feel like it's been being instilled in me for a very long time, like the last 10 years, last decade of my life. But right now, very strongly is stop trying to perform. Um, It's been so heavy in my spirit. Stop trying to perform. What I want to do in your life has nothing to do with your performance. And you are delaying what I want to do because you are trying to perform. Um, And so it's been so, it's been so, so heavy so heavy to the point of where I'm like, well, I need to be productive. Like, <laughs> what is the difference between performance and produ- being productive? Like, let's, right. let's let's get that. But um, I, one of my friends, even last night, I was just, I had been looking for a book to read, something to do. And I was asking her like, hey, have you read this? Have you read this? And She's like, well, try this and try that. She's like, nope, I got something for you. And she sent it over to me. And immediately when I saw that devotional, I was like, purchased it from Amazon. I was like, it's going to be here on Saturday too. (laughs) So excited about it. But just learning to rest has been very, very difficult for me. I have lived a life of performance my entire life. I have performed in every area of my life. So I don't know how to not do that. Um, and so I, I just feel like, you know, personally for me, I've just been called to a place of halting and stopping and, you know, may not, it may not be where you understand it or other people understand it, but I've just got to trust it at this point. Yeah. So what would you say, um, your reflection is for this week? That. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Rest. Hey, I'm with you. Um, I don't really have a reflection either, <laughs> just to be honest. But I will say, you know, I'm thankful for those that have surrounded me in this time um, that have tried to reach out. Because I know I, I kind of just like shut everything down at one point. It was like, I mm I just don't want to do it. So, you know, I'm I'm thankful in that space that I still have those people to rally around me. And if you don't, then definitely start adding that to your prayer list that, you know, God provides or like Amber said, whoever you um, rely on provides that for you because it is detrimental. Absolutely. Um that you have that type of support. Uh, affirmation for this week? Mm, what is my affirmation for this week? <laughs> I got one um, and this isn't mine. And it's not my friends either. I don't know where this came from, but basically, so I can't shout y'all out, but basically it, um, it, it went never leave a life experience without learning the lesson, whatever that looks like. Mm. Okay. Well, 
I really don't have one. Um, but, you know, I'm just going to leave y'all with the good old faithful. I am worthy. And so we hope you guys have a great rest of your week. We hope you enjoyed this episode. I know it got kind of heavy. I had to hold back <laughs> a little bit, but um, don't forget, shout us out, share your thoughts, your feedback. And we appreciate you guys. Absolutely. I've been seeing some of you guys has been uh, putting a few quotes from the podcast. I'm going to have to capture it and try to add it to my story, but I see y'all. I see you. Thank you so much for your support. Um, we've got one more episode left in this season and we out of this piece for a little bit. So just looking forward to, to closing out on a high note. All right. Bye. Bye.